Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and welcome to Edgar and Kelly. Yes, we changed the name because we feel like it. What are you going to do about it? So yes, this is our podcast where we have a chat about all things United. We interview a guest. We have a bit of a Q&A segment, everything. So obviously I am back in Berlin now. Emma, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm fine. It's been a very stressful day, but I'm good. We've both had stressful days, but something to ease our stress is our first hot topic, which is Mr. Donny van der Beek has signed for Manchester United. I never thought I would see the day. Um, will he be a good fit at Manchester United is my question. I'm surprised the answer is yes, of course. It is. My answer is yes. I mean, like, he is known for his um, attacking abilities. You know, he's very versatile. He can defend. He can attack. He's very good at recovering possession of the ball in the in the middle. Um, I think he's going to do wonders at Manchester United. I mean, he's strengthened our squad already massively. And I just can't wait to see him play. Yeah, same. I'm excited. I mean, massive kudos to Edwin van der Sar, who... Um, I did a video predict, predicting United starting eleven, and I actually said in it, you know, maybe Van der Sar can help us out. He clearly watched the video, and that's why it's all happened. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's young, he's so versatile. Um, do I think that he'll be necessarily in that Bruno Fernandez role? Not at all. I think he will be a lovely partner for Paul Pogba on the pitch, obviously, I'm not talking about off the pitch, don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, I think they'd be a lovely pair. I think they work really well. Um, you know, he is that kind of box-to-box midfielder, but also he's not afraid to, the, to do the defensive work, which is nice because it doesn't mean... It means that we're not always going to have to rely on, like, Matic as your, like, defensive midfielder. You you do have another option in that area, I think. Um, I mean, I was surprised... This sounds bad, I mean... Because there was rumours of Real Madrid and stuff like that. I was not surprised that we got him because I still think that we have um, a lot of plus points to us as a club. But I was kind of sitting there like, flipping it, we beat Real Madrid. We are not too bad. I mean, I was having a bit of a breakdown thinking, why have we not signed anyone? And then I think this has just kind of eased everyone's tension a little bit. I think, you know what, for him, for his... I don't know if you've seen a tweet what he did or um, he come out and said that, you know, playing for Manchester United is like a dream come true to him. And I think that's what we want to hear as Manchester United fans, that players yeah. actually want to come and play for the club and not just come for the wages. I, I, I absolutely love that. He's gone up in my estimations already. Yeah, I agree. I think that is the bottom line. If you've got a player that wants to play for the club, even if... You know, he's he's what, he's 23. Um, 
young but also experienced enough. I mean, I think it was last season when did Ajax get? I think when Ajax got to the semi-finals and he scored like a stupid number of goals and he was absolutely on fire. I think yeah. the fact that he is young, as in you're going to get a good few years out of him, but he's also experienced for his age. Um, and the fact that he has, I think, coming from somewhere like Ajax, where they have such an amazing youth system, um, and it is very kind of like a family vibe there, I would say. I think to go from that to Manchester United, I think there are similarities. And I joked before, but 100%, I think Edwin van der Sar has had something to do with this. I think he's probably put his arm around him because I know last season with... Um, De Jong and De Litt as well leaving. Um, he kind of asked a couple of the players, Onana as well, verbally if they would stay for an extra season. And he did, which again shows a lot about his personality. And I think Van der Sar will have put an arm around him and kind of said, you know, for your next move in your career, this is a club like I can 100% rate this club and I know that you will have an amazing experience. And he's taken all of that. And like you say, he's clearly so grateful to be at the club. You, you can't argue with that, even if he is shaky at the beginning or even if he's not 100% perfect in his first season. I think we've had so many, especially after Fergie, we've had so many names come in that are doing it for the paycheck or doing it just to waste a season and then go somewhere else or whatever. People, you know, with egos and the dramas and yeah. all over the last few years, I, I agree, I think, to have somebody that just wants to play for the club with it'll be it'll be good yeah 100 percent uh moving on to our next hot topic is it's a it's a big one that everyone has been discussing De Gea or Dean Henderson in goal this upcoming season what's your thoughts right I know everybody is on this De Gea hate bandwagon and leave him alone a little bit you know what I mean I mean the thing is can I understand why people would want Henderson 100%? You know, he is a very talented goalkeeper. He has proven himself. But I don't think at his age he's had enough experience to take on the role of being Manchester United's number one goalkeeper. That's just my personal opinion. People can hate on me and say I'm wrong, whatever. And I think it was even Casper Schmeichel, I think, that came out and even agreed and said... He needs a bit more time. I think when you are thrown into that, as De Gea was when he was young, you know, thrown into that situation, the amount of pressure, I would rather... would Is Henderson going to be our future goal, number one goalkeeper? 100%, I believe that. Why rush him and throw him into something that he's not prepared for, that he's going to flounder and make mistakes and get hate left, right and centre? Versus we've already got a competent goalkeeper. Give him another year or two. I... I mean, obviously, there's stuff about Romero, if he's going to stay or go. Even if they put Henderson on loan for another season, I wouldn't be mad at that um, because I think he does need that experience. And people are quick to forget with De Gea, you know, when he signed, I mean, number one, we ain't getting rid of him because of that contract that he signed. But, you know, when he signed that contract, everyone was buzzing. No one had a problem. And you know what? You can look back and think, yeah, hindsight's great. Maybe if we knew what we knew, what we know now they wouldn't have been as quick to offer him that deal I don't know but it's it's very easy especially with goalkeepers to just automatically they make a few mistakes they're terrible get rid of them they're horrific blah 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 
and I just it, it just doesn't sit right with me. He deserves a lot more respect for his name. Um, I do think he has been shaky. I don't think he's necessarily been the same since um, the World Cup. Um, but, you know, I cannot agree with just getting rid of him. The amount of times he has saved this club, I've said it a million times. I would love for somebody to pull up the stats as to where we would have finished some of those seasons when he was our best player. Because I'm telling you now, we would have been a lot worse off. And also, who's replacing him apart from Henderson? Like, what goal? You tell me. Not you. Whoever's listening, tell me, anyone. Who's available that's actually realistic? Oh, Black, at Atletico Madrid, why is he going to leave Atletico Madrid when they are building something so massive at the moment? And I don't think financially you could get him. Onana, good goalkeeper, pretty much a dead cert to go to Chelsea. I know Barcelona are having their issues, but to Stegen, cannot see happening. Neuer, can't see happening. Like somebody, unless there's a goalkeeper I'm missing, I would love to know who, who you're replacing him with that is 100% guaranteed to be amazing. Yeah. No, I just don't know how this is going to work out, in all honesty, because you're going to have two great goalkeepers and one of them always on the bench and I feel like it's going to go it's going to go wrong it's going to go down south I feel like one of them's going to want to leave and I feel like it's going to be De Gea because Dean Henderson he's hungry and he's wanting that first that first choice he wants to be there maybe this is a kick up the bum for De Gea he's never really had a competition he's never had anyone fight for that spot so maybe this will make De Gea work a lot harder with his yeah. work rate. But you've got to give it to Henderson. He he definitely wants this. Um, but for me, I would have De Gea still in goal. Like you said, he's got a lot more to offer. Yes, he's had um, a bad season. I think, I know everyone says, how many chances do we have to give him? But I think maybe this uh, Henderson coming in is giving him that new, that new confidence to maybe push forward mm-hmm. and... Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I don't know how this is going to work. Like, like you said, maybe Henderson should have gone on loan and got that experience because is he ready to be Manchester United's number one? Can he take that role onto his shoulders? Because it's a big responsibility, and we are a big club. No disrespect to Sheffield, but we are completely different. And I feel like no matter who is in goal, fans are going to pick at one of them. It's going to be a battle of De Gea or Henderson. That that's what it's going to come down to. I don't like that. I don't don't like the divide that it's going to cause. I, I agree, um, and I think that's a good point as well. About this could actually be a plus for De Gea in giving him a kick up the backside because you look at recently who's been you know Sergio Romero is clearly very happy being a second. I mean, I know there's some issue about the Europa League and everything, but I mean. I'd be pulsing as well if I was Romero. Like, you know, you're still your national team goalkeeper. You're cashing your cheque. You're going to training. You're eating good. All right, you're in Manchester a bit rainy, but I'm sure he's got a lovely house with a heated swimming pool or something, so it'll be absolutely fine. Um, You know, if if you're not... um, And you know what? No disrespect to him, because if that's what he wants to do, then fair enough. But he's not that goalkeeper that sat there like, right... I want this number one shirt, like, move over to Hayo, get lost. You know, Lee Grant, I don't know where Lee Grant is. Is he okay? 
<laughs> if anyone knows about Lee Grant, please let us know because I I, I like Lee, Lee Grant. He seems like I, I remember when he was our first signing and we were on tour. I don't know where it was. It might have been America. But we were on tour and like you could see all these fans like waiting like for signatures and. Like, they were like, oh, and the new signing, Lee Grant is coming out. And you just thought, no disrespect to him, but you must have thought those fans were like, the choice goalkeeper, is this all you've got for us? But seems like a lovely bloke. Um, I think it's a shame what happened with that derby game. Um, we've never really seen him since. Um, but again, not somebody that is going to be contending even for second, let alone, yeah. let alone first. Um so yeah, I, I do get what you mean though. The whole the the whole situation that I think the media will create as well of this kind of one versus the other, and fans will get involved. And like you say, it might get a bit nasty. And what will your end result be? One will walk away, like you say, probably De Gea fuming after providing us with so many years of service. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, maybe I. I think it's probably too late now for Henderson to be going on alone, but I just really hope that they somehow Ollie manages to split the uh, the, ta- the time that they're playing. I mean, we've got enough competitions, who knows? But yeah. on to another area that I believe we are lacking anyway. Um, we need a defender, and there have been two names flying round: Upamecano and Kula Ballet. What do you reckon about this defensive defensive issue? I mean, it showed last season we are very vulnerable. We are very open and weak there. So a centre-back for me is vital, this transfer window. I think Ollie definitely needs to focus on that area. Um, two signings that you said, what, Ipamakanu and Koulibaly? Um, yeah. Ipamakanu, he's 21. I've skillful, strong, feared. He's very, very feared. And I don't know if you have noticed, but when I see him, when I watch him play, he's got that potential of a defensive midfielder. Mm. I don't know if you guys think that. So put it in the comments if you think that he's got potential to be a defensive midfielder, because I can see that. He does these amazing runs, which I think may be good for Maguire, which would mean Maguire can sit back and cover... Well, he goes on these runs, he's that extra man in the middle, but he's also got the power to recover on the counter-attack, which I think mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Um, do I think we will get him? No. It's, there's been lots of reports, you know, Christian Falk has said, you know, there's no chance that he's coming. Gutted, I'm really gutted about that, because I think mm-hmm. he'd be a perfect fit there. Kula Bali, 29 strong he's like a wall um he's very very good i think i think he's world class um mm-hmm. only thing is cities cities are interested aren't they so i don't i don't know what will happen there you know if it becomes between two of us who who would he go for but Bali is, is definitely another one that i would go mm-hmm. for yeah i mean for for me it's kind of weird what's happened with the lindelof situation because i wasn't i didn't really have an issue um, not the season we've just finished the season before. I thought he seemed pretty strong, but next to Maguire, I'm just not confident in him. Um, I think that we are getting 
a really good back four in that Wambasaka won't swap him for the world. I think whether it's Shaw or Williams, I tend to go with Williams um, just because I like his style of play and I like how you can see how much he wants it. Like what we were talking about in the last podcast with Chucky, like his hunger and his feistiness. Like I like that. Um, yeah, and you know, Maguire, great. I mean, the amount of money that we spent on him, he could be rubbish and I'd still be saying he's great because he's, you know, spent all that money. Um, Lindelof is that weak link for me. I don't look at him and think, I trust you 100%, which is why I think we definitely need somebody. The Up and Bacano situation, I can understand why people are going for him. I'm not sure if he will be leaving Leipzig. And the only thing I would say is, and this is not being disrespectful to Manchester United at all, but Leipzig and United are kind of on a similar playing field in that they both came third. Obviously, Leipzig had a better run in Europe. Um, and... Yeah, they're, they're kind of similar in where they're at as teams. So would you be leaving Leipzig for something similar in the Premier League? Maybe if you really want to play in the Premier League, I guess. I mean, I think the rumours are about 60, 65 million. If we don't get Sancho, I mean, technically the amount of money that we were willing to spend on him and the money we spent on Van der Beek, we should be able to scrape that together. Um just for me, I would personally go more with Koulibaly just because I know people... Listen, if I could get a Koulibaly at 26, that'd be great. I understand he's twenty. he was 29 this year. Doesn't mean that he's complete, a complete write-off. He's not cashing in his pension, do you know what I mean? You could still get five solid seasons out of him if he stays fit and he takes care of himself. Um, and I think for me, just that extra bit of experience compared to Upamecano wins it for me um, and I think as well you've got more chance of maybe getting him I know there's the City situation and we'll have to see what happens but you know Napoli came seventh they really messed it up they've got no Champions League um, and Syria ended up being a lot tighter than I think people expected and Napoli really threw it away so you know the chance to come to a team who similar to Napoli before they went a bit downhill, you know, one in the challenge in Europe and do well and win trophies. That's what we're doing at the moment, but a team that's better than Napoli, basically. Um, so, yeah, I could I could see that one happening a little bit more, but um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but I don't know. We need, we need somebody. Those are the two names at the top of my list, but maybe we've got somebody else because the competition for those players, it, it is going to be a lot. I tell you what would be good, though, if we do get Koulibaly, is his slide tackles are amazing. I think that's something we are missing. That kind of Vidic style where he just goes yeah. into tackles and does not care. I think we're missing that, so he'd definitely be a good one. Yes, definitely. Well, that finishes up this part of the podcast with our hot topics. Let us know in the comment section, as Emma mentioned, what you think. Let us know any other hot topics that you would like us to discuss. Um, and yeah, what you're all making of Van Der Beek. And moving on to our second bit of the show, it's the Q&A. The ones that you have been posting on the community cab, it's for us again. Um, Angelina, I will kick this off. A question from Billy O'Neill. Keep James or loan him out? 
Um, no brainer. This one for me, I would, um, I'd, I'd be keeping him. Um, I lo- loaning him out. I, I can't see that happening. I mean, he he made over forty appearances for last season. I I can't see getting rid of. Him. I mean, the thing is, he was never brought in to necessarily be in your starting eleven week in week out. Anyway, it was just through circumstance. I think that he ended up playing a lot more, and I think it was just unfortunate for him that he had such a strong start and he burnt out towards the end. Um. But no, I wouldn't get rid of him because it's like at the end of the day, whether we sign Sancho or somebody on the right or whatever happens in that situation, all it takes is one injury. Who have you got on those wings? Rashford, Greenwood, James. If you take James out, even if we did sign Sancho, if you take one of those players out, these all of these players cannot play every single game. As much as Sancho will be in a starting eleven, you know, when we've got FA Cup games or, you know, Champions League, well, not Champions League, I'll guess, but the Cup games, basically, um, you're not going to, ha- you might not necessarily have your best starting eleven started because if you've got Liverpool at the weekend, you're not going to risk Jaden Sancho at flipping Rotherham or whatever, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, for me... Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't loan him out. I think that's way too big of a risk. United being how we are, someone would end up getting injured and it would just end up being an absolute nightmare. <laughs> um, okay, so next question is from Nut underscore Vivo. So, best Dutch player in United's history? That's a really good question. I like that question. It's really good. Um, we've had a few good Dutch players. Van Nistelrooy's been a good player. You know, a brilliant finisher. He was more of a pedantry in the box. Um, but for me, it has to be Edwin van der Sar. Uh, it took us years to replace Schmeichel. Um, it took us six years and we finally got him. And what an absolute shot stopper he was. Um, he's great at possession. Um, he's great at just being in, in net. Like you trust him between the sticks. Mm. Four Premier League titles, Champions League. For me, that just tops it. That he's the greatest Dutchman for me. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I mean, could go Van Nistelrooy, but I know that's why I mentioned Van Nistelrooy. But I was just like, yeah, but... tops it for me. I think more for my age, I would go with Van der Sar just for that Champions League night. I'm a lot closer to those years of remembering it than I am to Van der Sar. I think it was a little bit too small for that, but still appreciate him. But yeah, same, I agree. Okay, uh, next question from just Brandon, okay, question mark. Do you feel that social media, which gives fans more of a voice, has attributed in the increased numbers of sackings in football? What can be done about fans who don't know what they're talking about being the one to stand out in our sea of endless opinions? Don't let them go on fan channels on YouTube. That's what I'd say. (laughs) No. um, You know what? With... You could talk all night about social media and the negative impact it has. Do I think that big bosses of football clubs are sat saying, well, 
Jordan underscore MUFC underscore 99 has said this. So, uh, yeah, Van Gaal, you're out, mate. See you later. Not at all. But do I think that it adds to the pressure nowadays? 100%. I think it adds to the pressure with players, their own social media. Um, I don't know if we were talking about this, about how, you know, players from back in the day, if there had been social media. I, I said to you... Yeah, I said to you, imagine the class of 92 having this much set, this social media and what it would be like now for them because I bet they got into lots of dramas and we oh. don't even know about. Um, so imagine them having a bad game. Imagine David Beckham, do you know, at the World Cup, he already had a bad time as it was. But to, mm. to have like Twitter, yeah. imagine what it would have been like. Awful. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that fans 100% do contribute to, you know, I think especially if you're maybe even one of like more of a smaller club, if you've got, um, you know, all your social media, your fans, you know, all kind of banding together and having this hate campaign towards somebody, you can see that, you know, owners are going to maybe sit up and take notice because this is a direct link to seeing what your fans think. I think it's just a shame that, you know, there are a lot more negative people than there are positive people. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it it must contribute to something. People will be looking at it. It will be being discussed. Do I think it's 100% the reason why people are getting sacked? Uh, no. But, um, yeah, I mean, regarding stopping people, in this world, people are going to have opinions. We're not always going to agree as human beings. Um, you know, there are some people with horrendous opinions that are just completely and utterly wrong. I think regarding how you deal with people like that, I think number one, education. You need to educate people on why they're maybe being so ridiculous. And also to just learn to not rise to it. I think a lot of people especially in the United world, I'm sure names will spring to people's minds, um, that have been given an opportunity that taught rubbish, but have been given an opportunity somehow. And it's because people are listening and interacting. I always find that when people are talking absolute drivel, just ignore it. Like, don't yeah. give people your time. Don't give people that platform. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess that's what I'd say. But... Um, it's tough. Social media is tough. It's tough for, you know, it's it's tough for fans and sometimes it's great for fans to interact. Sometimes it can be horrendous. And I can't imagine, you know, what it is like to be a player and the amount of hate that they probably get. And that's probably why I guess if I was a footballer, I'd do what most of them do, just have someone else manage it and not even read the DMs. Yeah. Because yeah. It's too much. <laughs> um, okay, so final question. This is from... Lee Min. So, do you think that Van der Beek will be in the starting lineup against Crystal Palace? Can he play Matic's role? Oh, um, I don't know. It depends on what formation Ollie is going to put out. For me, Van der Beek, I've coming in more as a, um, a rotation player for Pogba and Bruno. Uh, Bruno. Um, but yes, he can play the CDM role for Matic because he is defensive. So we can see him play there. So 100%, I think he can do that. Against Crystal Palace, I don't know. I don't know what Ollie's going to start with. I think he might start on the bench and we might see him come on for maybe Pogba or Bruno. 
But mm. no, I don't know. But I all I know is I am excited to watch them all play. I can't wait. Same. It will be very exciting. Um, but yeah, I think bench. Um, are we playing Crystal Palace at home? Uh, yeah, I think so. Hmm, home. Maybe he's going to wait for, I don't know, depending on the fan situation as well. He might wait for his full debut to be with, you know, 20 fans stood in there or however many he's going to allow. Yeah. It's, going to, it's still going to sound so quiet. It's still going to sound so quiet with just 20,000 in there. I mm. you know what, personally, I'm not going to go back until everyone's back because it's not the same. There's no atmosphere mm. in it ever rise. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say I'm the same, but I'm in Germany anyway, so we'll go back for a while. But um, maybe they're going to record because, you know, like they've got certain chants and stuff like that. There's no no recordings of anyone chanting his name. So maybe, I don't know, they're going to try and like create a fake one or get some fans together with them, I don't know, a microphone or something and get get something for uh, for his debut if nobody is there. But yeah. we'll have to and see but yes as always thank you very much to everybody for those q a questions make sure you keep your eyes out on the community tab on stretch of paddock's youtube where we will be putting we'll be asking you guys to give us some more questions next week because of scheduling conflict and the fact that my two-year-old chopped water all over my wi-fi box we've had to ask joe smith to step in for us and interview la liga's semra hunter and here is what she's had to say uh, hi, Simra. Uh, how you doing? You all right? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, first of all, then, Barcelona um, and Manchester United and Manchester generally have been sort of in in kind of a tug of war over a couple of different players uh, seemingly this summer. Well, first of all, Van der Beek, who uh, signed for Manchester United in recent days, was linked quite heavily with Barcelona and seemed to be a sort of a perfect fit in there, especially after Ronald Koeman sort of came in as the manager and... He obviously knows him from the national team. Are you a little bit surprised at the way that that transfer went and, and sort of how uh, van der Beek came to Manchester United instead of going uh, to maybe Barcelona like it looked like he might have done? No, I mean, you're right. I think about a year ago or so, the name started to float around whenever De Jong ended up joining Barcelona. I thought that maybe as well van der Beek would be joining as well. Um, that obviously isn't the case. <laughs> that didn't happen. And then about in March of this year, it seemed as though uh, he was actually heavily linked to join Real Madrid. And so Barcelona seemed to have fallen out of that race. Um, there was that interest, of course, because of Ronald Koeman, as you mentioned, having him with the, the Dutch national team and having that connection and him obviously wanting to bring a lot of Dutch players now in to Barcelona. Um, but it looked like it was actually going to be Real Madrid for quite some time. They, in the end, didn't assemble the money or they just decided to drop out or whatever the reason was, they didn't go for him any longer. So in that sense, I think it doesn't really surprise me that in the end, uh, he decided to go to Manchester United. And honestly, it seems like it's going to be a great addition to the side for you. He's such a creative player. He loves to get up in the area. He loves to score lots of goals. I know you have plenty of creative midfielders already amongst the ranks. Maybe you need more a central forward or maybe a central defender, something like that, perhaps. But even still, going forward, I think he's going to be a brilliant addition for your side. Someone very exciting. I imagine most Manchester United fans are very pleased with this bit of business and the fact that you got him on such a great price too. Was it 55 million euros, I think, in the end, something like that? 
Yeah, really good. I think we're all really happy. Like you said, the price even is, is somewhat surprising, especially the way the United usually have to play or pay an extra sort of premium on players. But getting them in for under 40 million euros seems to be um, an excellent feat. We're talking there about Barcelona, as you said, maybe Real Madrid were the closest competitor in the end for van der Beek. But Barcelona have been all over the news recently, of course, with the ongoing saga of Messi and the president and who knows what the situation is. Even just today, I think uh, Lionel Messi's father came out and spoke about um, the fact that he should be able to leave for a free. And then it was that was sort of, you know, uh, people saying that, no, he will have to pay 700 million, all of these things. What What is the feeling around that that transfer and that deal at the moment? How is how has this news story been over over where you are? Just because it's, it seems like such a huge story, obviously he's linked heavily with Manchester City as well and Pep Guardiola, his former coach. What is it like around that story at the moment where you are? Well, quite honestly, it makes your head spin because every few hours or every day, the story changes, doesn't it? It goes from he's leaving to he's staying to then there's this release clause, but no, it can't be activated. No, it's been expired. No, that's not the case. I mean, it's, it's all over the place, <laughs> isn't it? And no one really seems to have a clear idea as to what the final result is going to be from all of this because they're arguing to very different uh, sides. So as you mentioned today, just an hour ago, actually, uh, Jorge Messi, his father, came out with a statement publicly saying, I don't know what contract you at La Liga took a look at, but basically I don't agree with what you've said with your statement from Sunday night. In fact, uh, this clause that you mentioned, it says that uh, if the player unilaterally decides to leave at the end of the 2019-20 campaign, he doesn't have to pay the 700 million Euro release clause. So according to their stance, they still say that Messi can go for free and they're still trying to fight that. But almost immediately, within maybe two or three minutes after that statement being released, La Liga issued another one in response saying, no, we stand by what we said on Sunday. We're still backing Barcelona. You still have to play the, pay that release clause if you want to leave. You can't go for free. So it does seem like game on still between these two sides. And then out of Argentina, there's another news outlet that amongst all of this madness is saying that they can confirm that Messi is staying, that he's not going anywhere. And quite honestly, it does seem like the most likely outcome from all of this, because if you have La Liga and Barca and they have no problems whatsoever taking Messi to court over this, if they have to, and vice versa, but... Uh, I imagine that they're realizing that this is a lot more difficult than they initially thought it was going to be. And so I think they realize they may not actually have much legal standing, uh, Messi and his family. So my feeling is Bartomeu offered them another year contract and said, stay another season and you can leave at the end of that for free if you want to. And of course, Bartomeu is not even going to be around next summer, so it doesn't really affect him in that sense. But it does seem like my guess is that he probably is going to stay. He's not going to go anywhere. Getting into a legal battle while it is an option, I don't think it's really something that either side want to do because it's lengthy, it's costly. Uh, that could mean Messi may end up spending the entire season without even touching the football, not even be able to play. And time is of the essence for him, isn't he? I mean, he's only 33 years old. Uh, he's got only a few years left in the elite level. So it's precious for him and he wants to keep winning competition so he can't really afford to not play football this year whether it's with Barcelona or elsewhere elsewhere so 
it's very tricky. It's very hard to predict. But the one thing that we do know for certain is what Messi's father has said today in that statement and what La Liga has responded with. So stay tuned because there's, I'm sure, more to come from this. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a lot more to come. It's amazing almost the idea that, that Messi and Barcelona could be in some legal battle against each other after how sort of synonymous and linked together they've been for so long. It's, you know, the idea that it could end in such a sort of upsetting and, and, and legal way like this almost just seems... I don't know, it, just, it doesn't seem possible, does it? But this is the situation that we're in. Um, what's the feeling in terms of, is there a, a sadness? I saw some, uh, there was a lot of Barcelona fans protesting and there seems to be, a, like, like almost as I said, where these two club, these two people, entities are so closely linked that the idea of them separating at all seems amazing. Is the feeling, is it a sadness or is it a, an excitement maybe that you know there could be big changes at the club? Because obviously there are a, a lot of problems there at the moment. The reaction really has run the full spectrum. Uh, you've seen a bit of everything from fans. Um, you see fans that are deeply hurt by this, deeply upset. They take this so personally. And I think they're even more hurt by the fact that Messi himself hasn't come out and said the reasons behind all of this. He hasn't explained his side of the story. He hasn't said why he wants to leave. And so I think they feel left in the dark. And I think they're not necessarily in agreement with the way all of this has been handled so far. And they're desperate to hear from him. They want to know. Um, then you have the other fans, of course, who don't want him to go anywhere. There's others who actually say, you know what, maybe this is the right time for them to part ways. The club could really use the cash. They're deep in debt, as you well know. Um, they also desperately do need to do a whole rebuild of the squad so that money, if used effectively, uh, could be something of, of a lot of value for them. Um, and then you have others who have kind of turned against Messi during this whole side, uh, this whole period. They're, they're very angry with him. And I think it was more at first they, they were in denial. They didn't want to accept that he was leaving and it felt like a personal offense to them because they're Barcelona fans and how could you leave and why would you want to do this to us? And so now I think they're almost like, you know what, if you want to go, then go. You know, there's the door. If you so badly want to leave, then, then please do so, you know. So there is a bit of, of, of everything, you know. There's all sorts of reactions to the news. Um, but you, you could look at social media and there's different hashtags trending too. You've got free Messi for those who feel that he's being trapped by the club or trapped by La Liga and they want to let him go and go to Manchester City or wherever it is. You have the others who say Bartomeu out because they want the president to be gone because they feel that he's responsible for what's happening with Messi. So it's hugely a mess. And yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it evolves and how the fans continue to react to the story as it takes shape. But you really do get a bit of everything uh, at this point in time from them. You mentioned there about the free Messi hashtag. I bet most of those people tweeting that are Manchester City fans, though, aren't they? Let's be honest. Just trying to put a bit of pressure probably. on. Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, you were talking there about how Barcelona could maybe do with some money and, and there's there's problems within the squad. A lot of players have been linked with, with moves away from Barcelona. You know, We've already seen like, sort of Luis Suarez uh, on that path as well. Uh, Ousmane Dembele is someone who's been linked with Manchester United. Um, quite consistently over the last few years but certainly this summer uh, he's been linked uh, with a move to, to Manchester United what are your thoughts on him as a player and his his time at Barcelona and, and 
obviously he's been played with injuries for a lot of his career, but a very talented player. What are your thoughts on, on him as a potential move? or Because or, he's been someone that's been stated by uh, Barcelona as someone that they will be looking to keep rather than uh, to let go. So what are your thoughts on, on those rumours and those links to Manchester United for Usman Dembele? Well, in fact, at the start of the summer, let's say, because it was only really a few weeks ago, um, Bartomeu and the club, they said, listen, these are the players that are going to be for sale. These are the players that are not going to be for sale. And there was only seven names on that list and Dembele was on that list. So I personally don't think that he's going anywhere. I think he's going to stay, um, especially because we haven't really seen much of him. You mentioned the, the injuries. It's been a plague for him. He gets injured. He's gone for extensive period of time on the sideline, maybe six, seven months. He comes back, he gets injured again. So he's been in the treatment room more than he has been available to play. So we've only seen brief spells from him, but whenever he has come out onto the pitch, he's done fairly well and he has impressed, um, but he's still very young and he still has to develop. And there's still a lot of room of improvement for him there. And I think if he does finally start to get that regular, um, get regular minutes, then we'll see someone exceptional, but we just haven't seen it as of yet. So could this be the chance for him this season? Could be, especially if Messi ends up leaving, which again, I don't think is going to be the case. But if he does stay, then there's going to be room for him because you mentioned Luis Suarez linked with Juventus. It does seem to be a done deal at this point in time. I don't think he's going to be staying. I think both the club and uh, the Uruguayan are quite happy to part ways at this juncture. Um, so it could be Messi, Dembélé and Griezmann next season up front, which is not that bad of a, of a trident, really. So I'm sorry, Manchester United fans. I think you'll have to wait a little bit longer <laughs> to see if Dembélé comes your way. Well, fair enough. Not the, not the news I necessarily wanted, but if it's the truth, it's the truth. Um, David De Gea is someone else who, obviously, is a Spanish goalkeeper, playing for the national team uh, against Germany in recent days as well. He's been someone that's gone through a bit of a, a difficult time recently, and arguably since the World Cup, he doesn't seem to have quite captured the form that he had before then. What is the view on David De Gea in Spain and what is the view on, on sort of the, the difficulties he's going through at the moment? And do you think he can sort of recapture that form that had him held as one of the best goalkeepers in the world for such a long time? Well, to be honest with you, David De Gea isn't really talked about that much over here. I mean, he's been gone for so long now. He's been over in England for such a long time that he isn't really talked about unless it does happen to be in a conversation linked to the Spanish national team. And as we saw from him last night, he had some world-class saves. He was brilliant. He was in top form. And if he continues that form, no doubt he is one of the most elite goalkeepers around. And that's obviously great news for Manchester United. So uh, I definitely think he can recapture that form. He has been erratic, hasn't he? He has had some moments of brilliance, but also some moments where you just think, what is going on there? An absolute shambles of goalkeeping. But it's all mental, you know, and, and he has the talent, he has the ability, but he just needs to be in the right headspace. And that so often is the case with so many footballers in general, right? So I imagine maybe there's something going on in his personal life or maybe off the pitch or maybe something just isn't quite working amongst the, the locker room, to be honest. I don't know. That's just conjecture for my part. But if he finds a bit of stability and he sorts things out, I think he has every chance of being the goalkeeper that Manchester United would, would like for him to be and quite possibly one of the best in the world, no question. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say as well how he's not really spoken about as much for his form for Manchester United in Spain and maybe we put a lot of pressure on that here because we see it week in, week out but the general consensus around him maybe is that he's... <laughs> we like doing that, we like doing that. Um, finally then, before you go, um, United, as much as I don't really want to bring it up, lost to Sevilla in the uh, Europa League semi-final. Um, uh, I know where you're going with this and I'm glad that you're bringing it up. Well, yeah. Um, there's... Uh, United have been looking at a right winger and we've been looking for Jadon Sancho seemingly for the last few months. Um, but Lucas Acampos is someone in that team who has been one of the stars of that team. Um, do you think that he would be a good signing for Manchester United? Do you think he's got the sort of qualities that, that could fill a, a role uh, at Manchester United? <laughs> Where did you think I was going with it? Oh, no. Well, maybe. We'll talk about him as a little bit as well, but if Lucas Ocampos, I think, maybe first of all as an option instead of Jadon Sancho. Yeah, well, listen, Lucas Ocampos was a stellar signing last summer. Mm. An absolute brilliant swoop what, you know, from Munchie, like mm. he always does. Yeah, yeah. He has such a keen eye for talent. Nobody does it better than Munchie, I think. And he was this relative unknown Lucas Campos who came along and he was by far the best signing for Sevilla this this past summer he was amazing and I definitely think you'd be capturing a top class talent who's very much still getting better by mm. the day and very much could fit into the side of Manchester United as a winger and because that's where, where he shines best you know he, he's versatile he can play on the right he can play on the left he often played on the right but whenever Suso was signed from Milan in January, he actually swapped out to the left whenever Sousa came onto the pitch, and he was just as effective. So you have somebody who has a lot of talent. He can score a lot of goals. He can provide a lot of assists as well, too. And he can play on both flanks. So I think he would definitely be a great option. I hope he doesn't go. <laughs> I really hope he doesn't go. I want him to stay in La Liga. I want him to stay with Sevilla. But he also just won, you know, the Europa League, as you mentioned as well, and they qualified for the Champions League. So Manchester United are also going to be the Champions League again next season, so you can't go wrong there. But he would be a great addition. Mm. He really would if, if Manchester United were to, were to be able to make that happen. Mm. But... Uh, regular on then. We've got to mention it now. You, you brought him up. United have been linked with uh, the left back regular on as well, as you mentioned there. And, and there seems to be sort of contrasting opinions as to whether an approach has been made or whether a bid has been made and what's been rejected and this and that. And what's your sort of your knowledge and understanding of, of that deal and that move uh, for the left back there? Hmm. So, again, another player I hope doesn't go anywhere <laughs> because he is one of the upcoming talents of Spanish football. No question, he's 23 years old. He's a Real Madrid player. He was loaned out last season to Sevilla. So now technically he's sorting out what to do next, his next move. It's clearly not going to be with Real Madrid because when Zidane came, he was quite quick to be offloaded to Sevilla actually. And it was a perfect move for him at the time because Julian Lopetegui had linked up with, uh, with Reguilón whenever he was manager at Real Madrid and he played quite often under him. And so they met again at Sevilla. Lopetegui also is one of those managers who does very well with young talent and he's very good with young players and helping them develop. And we saw that from him this season. So Sevilla are very keen to keep him, for sure. That is 100% um, confirmed. Like they want him again for an, at least another season. 
but it doesn't seem like they're quite ready to buy him. And that's where things differ with Manchester United because it's been reported that they're looking at maybe a 25, 30 million euro offer on the table. And so it comes down to whether a Real Madrid are interested in buying, or sorry, in selling him because they want the money or they need the money. Um, but it has been said that if they do sell him, there's going to be a clause in there like they did with Morata when he went to Juventus that they can buy him back if they so choose. Um, so again, it comes down to whether they want to sell him if they want the money or if they prefer to keep him as their player and to continue to have him develop with Sevilla. Um, so eventually they can bring him back to the club. But Zidane has made it quite obvious that his two first choice left backs are Ferland Mendy and Marcelo. But at some point, Marcelo, he's getting up there too. He's a veteran and he's going to move on probably in the next year or two, I would imagine. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. But again, if you were to get him, that would be a huge, a huge deal, I would think. And also you give Luke Shaw a bit of a competition too. So. Mm. Yeah, very exciting. Well, it sounds like there's a bit more of a chance of that one. I'm, I'm quite intrigued at how that one will unfold. But thank you very much for joining me, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you very, very much welcome. for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and next up, we have our In Defence. This is where we pick one player each week to defend because they might have had something in the press, something on the media, and we just want to defend them. And this week, we have picked Fred. Now, Fred is being rumoured with speculation of a move. Um, personally, I don't think Fred should leave Madrid. I think we have far too much potential to give him. He definitely needs to stay in the team for squad depth, um, especially if we don't get a, a definitive CDM role like Thiago. We definitely need to keep him for squad depth. I don't know how about you, Phil, Angelina, but I think we should keep him. I agree. Um, I mean, I never really liked the um, the hate that Fred got. I mean, I know I always used to do the running joke of like, oh, he's just got married, leave him alone. Like, you know, now he's got married, he'll be all right. He did have a rocky start. And you know what? He'd not played in the Premier League before. Um, sometimes it does take people a season to find their feet. I think at 27, he's at a, um, a good age. I think he's 27, yeah. Um you know, he, he wasn't, not like he was dirt cheap. I think he was about 47 million or something like that. So it's, I'd hate to just, you know, cast him to one side and be like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, I think the thing with Fred is he has, um, you know, he has experience, he has won trophies, etc. And I think it would be a real shame that every player, no matter how old they are, they need to learn and develop and it took him that first season but he start he was starting to finally come into his own and he was showing us those signs of why we signed him in the first place so for me it would be a real shame I don't like the hate that he gets because he's another one of these players like we mentioned with Van Der Beek he just just wants to do well and you can tell that he enjoys playing for Manchester United and you can see that his heart is in it um, and that, for me, speaks volumes and I definitely would want to keep him. And I think also, again, like I mentioned um, before about Daniel James, we can't just, just because we've got Van Der Beek, Pogba and Fernandez doesn't mean that we can just sack everybody else off and be like, oh yeah, yous were all right, but we've got some really good, like proper next level players. So we don't really need you guys. See you later. It's like, you know, you, you need... 
we're not just a starting 11, we're a squad and a squad needs to rotate. It cannot always be Pogba and Van der Beek in those midfield roles and then have Bruno sat in front. You can't do that every single game. You're going to have to need options. Um, so, I mean, you know, you've got Mata, who I think is a great player to come in um, as and when, obviously, his legs are not the same anymore, bless him. But I think to get him on for a half, I think he's... I always like to see him in the Champions League games, the um, you know, some of the bigger games as well for him to make a little appearance. I think he does bring something special. Um I mean, if you're getting rid of somebody, the person I'd go for, and people that have watched me on the channel before will know, Pereira. Pereira is 100% who I'd pick. Um, you know, the pecking order, I think, is wrong. Like, Pereira should be out. I don't think he's... He's got no place in the team. I don't think he's going to push further to get in the team. So I think it is his time to go. People forget, though, Fred did well for us. When Bru uh, Pogba had that injury, and before Bruno came... Fred did amazing for us. Him and Scott there, absolutely amazing. I think people seem to forget like how well he did. So for me, Fred can't go. He can't go anywhere right now. If anyone's going, get Pereira out if you want a bit of money. And we do definitely need to push players out. We can't keep you know paying out for players and not ship anyone out. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, even I, I completely forgot about him until just now. Um, Lingard as well, like wherever he is, whether you class him as a winger or a midfielder or whatever he's calling himself now, again, no disrespect to Lingard. I know that he's had situations going on off the pitch which are horrendous and everyone's heart goes out to him. But on the pitch, I think the fact that he got the agent that he got, um, says to me that you know he's ready to maybe go make you know go for a move. And I wish him all the best if he does leave, but. I'd be more upset if we got rid of Fred than than Lingard and I'd definitely be more upset regarding Pereira. I mean, everyone goes on about, I don't hate Pereira. Right? I don't hate him. No, I don't hate him. Just very, I don't hate anybody, but he's just, no. he's very frustrating. And, you know, last the beginning of last season, like winter last year when he was playing a lot, it just wasn't happening. It was so frustrating. And it must have been frustrating for him as well, but he's just, you know, he's not at the level that we need to be at. At the end of the day, if we want to be competing for Premier League titles, spots in the Champions League, you know, getting ourselves to a decent level of the Champions League, I'm talking semi-finals, all that type of stuff, a final, Pereira is not a name that I am comfortable with in my soul to be on a bench, on a starting eleven in Old Trafford. Like, no. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, but I think, yeah, like I say, you've got to have rotation. And Fred is a great player that could come in. Like you say, he did replace Pogba. I think he's played once or twice with Pogba as well. Um, and I think having a great calibre of players around him. And I think the same goes for Scott McTominay as well, because I've got a lot of time for him as well. Um, being around players of that next level calibre, which Pogba, Van der Beek and Fernandez are, sorry, but they are, this, that could actually help Fred. Do you know what I mean? Like that could enhance his play even more. So yeah, I, th I think people have been way too harsh on him. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think definitely people need to leave him alone. Um, 
And I think people should be, you know, getting behind him. I know that all this Thiago stuff, for me personally, I just leave Thiago to Liverpool if that's where he wants to go. Don't get me wrong, fantastic footballer, very decorated. You know, I'm sure his trophy room in his house or his medal room is phenomenal. But I don't want to go down that route of getting an older player, getting a few years out of him and then saying, see you later. I want, you know, we're going for this younger squad. Thiago, to me, doesn't make any sense to fit into that. No, no, but, I agree. Um, I, I, see, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Um, that yeah. concludes our In Defence. So put your comments in the comment section. What you think about Fred. Do you want him to stay? Do you want him to go? And um, just share us your thoughts. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I think that concludes our podcast. I think we... Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. We all talked out. <laughs> but yes, um, as Emma said, make sure that you guys get involved in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts. If there's anything that you would like us to talk about, let us know and we might consider it. I'd be nice, we might consider it, yeah. Um, and yeah, like I say, Van Der Beek, uh, Dan James going on loan, um, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about, make sure that you let us know what you are thinking. Emma, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube, That United Family. You can also find me on Twitter, Emma Edgar underscore. Yes. And as always, you can find me over on One Football. And my name's Angelina Kelly. Just search it, I'm sure I'll come up somewhere. <laughs> so, yes, as always, thank you to everybody that has tuned in. Thank you to Emma. Another podcast done. Even though we're in different countries, we have made this work and we shall continue to do so until I am back in Manchester again. Um, but yes, thank you, everybody. And we will see you guys very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.